You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Amazing, amazing. It is so, so good uh, to be able to be preaching this morning. Kia ora, happy Waitangi Day. No my hearty mai to everyone who's watching online as well. We want to say a special welcome to you as well. And auditorium, can we say hi to the cafe, please? Come on. Amazing. We're so glad that you are all joining us today. Just a couple of things I want to let you know about as well. And that is that next Sunday is Anointing Sunday. Now, Every single year, at the beginning of every year, we just take an opportunity at, um, in one of those first Sundays of the year to pray over, anoint, and just bring um, a, a word of blessing over every single person in our church, um, their families as well. We get the kids involved, and you know how I see it as kind of like a springboard into what God is going to propel you into uh, for that year. And so um, we're going to be planning this week for, you know, COVID safe changes that we might need to make, but we still want to go ahead and and make sure that we're blessing and anointing our people for what He's going to do in your lives this year. So put it, mark it in your diary, make sure you get registered quickly if you want to be in the room for that, but we'll think about how we can do it online as well for all those who are watching online, but make sure you don't miss next Sunday, whether you're in one of our rooms or whether you're watching online or in one of our campuses, it's going to be an amazing Sunday together. The other thing I want to let you know about is that we are all very aware of the terrible tragedy that is happened recently in the kingdom of Tonga. And as a church, we always feel um, that it is our position, our responsibility to help wherever we can. And so we've got a really awesome opportunity to partner with all of the Elam churches in New Zealand and actually support and give to Tonga and uh, to help the people and the, the places that have been really affected by what's going on there. So we uh, just want to let you know that we're taking a portion of our missions budget for this year and we've allocated it uh, to the work that's going on in Tonga and just working together with some of our Elam churches. So I just want to say thank you to you for your generous giving as you give week in and week out because uh, even when we don't take up special offerings that it actually allows us to be generous and to give over and above some of our normal missions projects so that we can support um, what's going on. It enables us to step up in times like this. Isn't that incredible? Awesome. All right. Well, as Adrian said, I am doing uh, part three, uh, part two. I jumped a week ahead. Part two in our refresh series. I'm really excited about it. And I want you to come with me to Second Peter. And I'm going to read. It's quite a long passage of scripture, so stay with me. It's coming up on your screens. Uh, it'll be in your notes as well if you've got the Elam Christian Center app, or if you're watching online, it's in the notes section there. So it reads in Second Peter chapter one. Says this: His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who. Called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Now, listen to this. He says, For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, add knowledge, and to knowledge, add self control. And to self-control, add perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. He says, for if you possess these qualities 
in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. And, oh, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter goes on to say, so I will remind, always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly, they are firmly established in the truth you now have, I think it is right to refresh, everybody say refresh. I think it is right to refresh your memory. Have you ever had someone, a boss, a spouse, a parent, a sibling, um, someone in your world, try and tell you to do something or teach you how to do something you're already doing or already know how to do? Like that's really annoying when someone does that to you, doesn't it? My kids hate it when I do that to them. I'm like, Judah, Rocky, you need to clean your room. They're like, we already are. Sheesh, okay, all right, calm down. But it's frustrating, isn't it? We get a little bit offended when someone tries to teach us something we already know how to do or we're already doing. We're like, we're like you think I don't do that already? You think I'm not doing that like week in and week out? And in these passages, I kind of get the feeling that that's what Peter is doing to these guys. He's like, I'm gonna, he's giving them a list of work-ons and then he goes on to tell them that he already knows they know what to do. So he gives them these lists of work-ons and these work-ons are things that they need to add to their faith and in doing so, they will become productive and fruitful in their work in Christ. He says, he, he lists goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and, and mutual affection and love. And then he goes on to say, so I will always remind you of these things even though you know them. And I wonder whether the readers that he is writing to are kind of like, yo, Peter, we're already doing it. Like, we already know these things. We're trying to say that we're not already doing it. But then he continues. He says, so I'll always remind you of these things, even though you know them. He says, but I think it is right to refresh your memory. Can I tell you, I think sometimes we all need to hit refresh, don't we? We all need to hit refresh on the things that are important. He's saying, it's not that you're not doing these things. He's saying, it's not that I don't think you already are doing these things, but what I want you to do is refresh what's really important. It's not that you're not doing them, but I think they're really important. So I think it's really key to go over them again. And I think for you and I, we all need a refresher on the things that are important. It doesn't matter sometimes how much we think we know or how much good we think we do. When something is important in our life, there is, it's never enough when we keep refreshing. Um, it's always a good thing to refresh something, especially when it, when it leads us to fruitfulness and productivity in our walk with God, amen? Peter's saying, he says, I will always remind you of these things. He's like unapologetic about it. He's like, I don't care how bored you get of this little speech. He's like, I don't care if you get offended that I keep reminding you. I think it's important, so I'm gonna keep going. So today, I'm gonna, like Peter, unapologetically remind you of some things that you might already know, but that are super important and that we're gonna need a refresher on. We're gonna go through those seven things. So I hope you're gonna buckle in because... I've got 18 minutes, 11 seconds to do so. Uh, and what you'll notice is that as we go through them, they build one upon the other. So as we go through each one, they each bring more clarity and more understanding to the other. Are you ready? 
Are you buckled in? We're ready to go. We're mo- hopefully we're gonna go fast and hopefully I'll stick to time. All right, to faith, Peter says, add goodness. To faith, add goodness. When Judah, our oldest, was two years old, he loved playing with Play-Doh. He didn't just love playing with it though, he loved eating it. He just loved eating Play-Doh. And so we had to, for a season, really try and work with him and teach him that we don't eat Play-Doh. And so we used to say to him, Judah, do you eat the Play-Doh? And he would look us dead in the eye with conviction in his, in his heart and he would say, not eat it, no, not eat the Play-Doh. And then I would watch him day in and day out eat the Play-Doh. And so we continue to say, Judah, do we eat the Play-Doh? No, not eat it. I'd even hear him on his own saying, not eat the Play-Doh, no, not eat. See, Judah knew how to talk the talk, but he didn't walk the walk. He was convicted of his beliefs. You would have believed him when he told you we don't eat the Play-Doh, but he just could not have his actions and his convictions match up. And I think there are too many of us that live our faith in the same way that Judah lived out his intentions towards Plato. Too many of us have a mismatch of faith and action. James 2 says it like this, James 2 verse 14. It says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that faith even save anyone? It goes on to say, if a brother or sister is without food or shelter, says you could say goodbye, farewell, have a great day, sleep well, eat well, whatever. But if you don't give any food or clothing, then what good is that? How does that kind of faith save anyone? Verse 17 says, so you see, faith by itself, it isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. And I think this, I think that's what Peter was getting at, don't you? I think that's what Peter was getting at when he said to our faith, we need to add goodness. Because goodness is referring to like uh, virtuous, moral goodness or virtue, virtuous, virtuous in our thought, virtuous in our actions, virtuous in our speech and our feelings. Goodness is faith in action. Goodness takes our faith and makes it more than just what we say. It, It actually takes it and puts action to it. It's felt, it's heard, it's seen through how we act. Faith doesn't just believe good. Faith does good. And I think that's so important. And so today I wanna ask you this question, what could you do in your life to add goodness to your faith? Ask yourself this, what good could I do today that would be a representation of the faith that I have? What good could I do today that would show others the faith that I have? Galatians 6 verse nine says, don't grow tired. Don't grow weary of doing what is good. That's number one, is goodness. But then Paul, Peter goes on to say, to goodness, you need to add knowledge. To goodness, you need to add knowledge. Proverbs 2 verse one says, my child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasure. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God. See, it isn't enough just to do good. It isn't just enough to add goodness to our faith we've got to have knowledge too. We've got to have a knowledge of God's will, God's ways, 
how He is, God's Word. I went to a wedding recently. And uh, you know, at the end of the wedding, when the bride and groom have been announced and they walk back down the aisle and everyone's lining up to say hi to the bride and groom. Well, I kind of think it's also very polite to say hi to the parents of the bride and the groom, right? That's like the good thing to do. It's the polite thing to do. It's the right thing to do, to go and say, congratulations, thanks for inviting us, da di da da So I'm lined up in the line to say hi and congratulations to the parents of the bride. And I'm sort of like two back in the line when all of a sudden it dawns on me that I cannot remember the bride's father's name. And I'm like, well, that wouldn't be very polite if I went up there and I, you know, drew a blank and couldn't remember his name. So I start asking around. I grab people. I'm like, hey, 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 what's the bride's father's name? No one could tell me what his name was. And then I spotted the celebrant who is also a close friend of the bride and groom. I thought, aha, he'll know. So I grab him. I say, hey, what's the bride's father's name? He looks at me with a smirk on his face and he says, Robert. It's Robert. Now, immediately, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I'm thinking, is he playing a trick on me? Is this a setup? Is he telling me porky pies just for a bit of a joke? But I had nothing else to go on, so I'm standing in the line. And right before I'm about to congratulate Robert, the bride's mother saves the day. And she calls out, hey, Paul, it's time to go for the family photos. Guys, what's worse than not knowing? is getting it completely wrong, right? In that situation, you don't wanna get it completely wrong. You see, a good deed and a well-intentioned action can fall flat on its face without the knowledge to back it up. And I think that's why Peter is saying to goodness, we need to add knowledge. To goodness, we need to add knowledge. This is what I've noticed in today's society, in today's culture, in today's generation, is that we have a biblically illiterate society. We have a generation that does not know the Word of God, but they have got a strong arm for justice and for goodness. They wanna see good, they wanna see justice happen. The problem is that there's lots of good intention to do good. There's lots of good intention to see justice be, be carried out, but without the knowledge and that strong foundation of God's Word underneath them, those good intentions often fall and end up going in the wrong direction. Knowledge gives us that solid foundation that we build those actions and that faith on. It's the why behind we, what we believe. It's the why behind why we're doing what we're doing. Knowledge brings the answers to the questions of our faith. Goodness will take you so far, but there is gonna come a day where you're going to need the answers to the questions that you have, where you're going to need to know why I'm doing the good that I'm doing. So I want you to ask yourself today, how could you add knowledge to your goodness? How could you add knowledge? What could you do today? What, ask yourself, what could I do today to keep adding to the knowledge that I have about God? Could be a number of different things, but I wanna encourage you to start with getting up each day and reading the Word. Get up each and every day. Doesn't matter if it's one verse or 10 verses or a whole chapter, but I wanna say to you, if this is something you think you need to work on, that is your primary place of starting is get up each day and get into the Word. Okay, so we've gotta add knowledge, but to knowledge, number three, Peter says we've gotta add self-control. 
He says we've got to add self-control. Have you ever noticed that whenever you feel out of balance in your life in some kind of area, you already know what you need to do to bring that back in under alignment, right? So for example, when I feel tired and I'm complaining because I'm so tired, I'm so tired, but I know that I've been staying up way too late binge what way too late binge watching Netflix. Guys, I know what got me to tired. I know what I need to do to fix this. When I have overindulged over the Christmas break and during watching Netflix, I've been eating way too much chocolate and popcorn and I can't get back into my jeans when I have to get up for church on Sunday when I get back from my holiday. You know, don't you? You know what you've done to get yourself into that situation. And when you look at your bank statement or your credit card and you see that you are now living way beyond your means because of all the um, extra things that you've been doing over the holidays, we know, don't we? We know how it happens. See, what I often find myself saying, and you guys probably way more self-controlled than me so you don't have this problem, but I often find myself saying, I know what I should be doing. I just need to do it. See, the problem here is not the knowledge. The problem is self-control. Am I right? And I think Peter is onto something. I think Peter is onto something because of all the knowledge in the world is not gonna do us any good if we lack the discipline of living with self-control. Self-control in our speech. Just because it comes into your head, it doesn't mean you need to say it. How many mothers told us that when we were growing up? My mother always used to say, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. It's a good tip, thanks mum. Self-control with your finances. Just because it's in your bank account, it doesn't mean you need to spend it. Self-control with your lusts, with your desires. Just because you can, it doesn't mean you should. Proverbs 25 verse 28 says, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. What happens to a city with broken down walls? They are always vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. And I wanna encourage you today, maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, "Uh uh-oh, this self-control thing, that's me. Can I encourage you to fix those walls? Close up those gaps that are going to let the enemy in, that are leaving you vulnerable to being taken out. Ask yourself this, what areas in my life does my self-control need strengthening? What areas in my life does my self-control need strengthening? Okay, number four, to self-control, Peter says we need to add perseverance. To self-control, we need to add perseverance. When you begin to adjust your living to one of goodness and knowledge and self-control, can I just let you know that the first thing you're gonna wanna do is quit? It's gonna be the temptation that comes. Now, I have told you guys this before. I don't like exercise. Me and exercise, it's not a natural connection, you know? I mean, I really have to work on it. If I'm gonna do exercise and be fit and be healthy and all that sort of stuff, I'm just not really born that way. Um, You know, some people just are, they just love it. Steve loves it, just cannot understand the man. Uh, But so one year, I decided over a few years that I was gonna take up running. I was gonna be a runner. That was gonna be my thing. I was gonna be a runner and I decided I was gonna challenge myself to do a couple of half marathons. Now, I've told you this story before, but... I set up my training program. Can I just tell you that as soon as I started running, I wanted to stop running. The moment I started, I thought, this is not me. I can't do this. I wanted to quit. And I, guys, I hated it. 
It was awful. It was absolutely awful. And with every step, I'm thinking, what on earth are you doing, Bex? What on earth are you doing? You should just stop now. I kept telling myself, you should stop now before you get too far from home and it's too long to get, you know, like it's a really long walk to get back again. But I knew that the battle wasn't actually in my legs. I knew my legs could do it. The battle was up here. And so every time I went out and run, I'd literally say out loud, I'm sure people driving past thought I was crazy. I'd literally say out loud, just don't stop. 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 Because I knew that if I didn't stop, I would eventually hit my goals each time and I would get there so long as I didn't quit. And I want to tell you today that we all need to develop a mentality, a don't quit mentality, a mentality that says, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to persevere in the things of God. I know how hard it gets, but I want to tell you, don't give up living in the disciplined life of faith because the richness and and the beauty of faith is so often found in those seasons of endurance and perseverance. Those are the moments that we grow. And so I want to ask you today, is there an area in your life where you need to grow in your perseverance? Is there an area in your life where you need to strengthen that don't quit mentality? Cafe, is there an area in your life that you need to strengthen your perseverance. Maybe you're paying off debt and it's really hard right now and you, you, you're just struggling and you think, is it worth it? Can I tell you today, don't quit? Don't quit, persevere. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage and it feels like you're both just holding on with a thread. I want you to know today, I wanna encourage you, do not quit, persevere. Maybe you're the only Christian that you know and you're finding it so hard to stay the course. I wanna say to you today, don't quit, persevere, keep on going. Perhaps you're overcoming an addiction and you've been going for so long and it would just be so so much easier if you could just slip back into those old habits. But I want you to know today to keep up that perseverance. Don't quit, don't give up, just don't stop. Maybe you're praying for something persistently, you're believing for something and you just feel like you're not getting any answers and it's been so long and I don't know if God's listening and it feels like He's silent. I want you to know today, keep on persevering. Do not quit persevere. To perseverance, number five, Peter says, add godliness. Add godliness. You know, as I thought about godliness, I, I sort of thought, how can you separate that from goodness? Isn't it just the same thing? You know, doing good things and being really good and um, doing the right thing, living God's ways. But as I looked at them both side by side, I saw something. See, goodness refers to being virtuous. It refers to being morally good, knowing what's morally good. And I kind of thought to myself, well, anyone can actually do that, right? You can have people, there's people out there who don't know God, but morally good. You don't have to know God to know what's morally good. But if you want godliness, if you want godliness, that requires deeply knowing God. Because godliness doesn't just refer to something that's morally good, Godliness refers to a reverence for the character and the laws of God. There's a reverence. And so Peter is asking for more than just good actions. He's asking for an inside transformation. Godliness takes the attention and the glory of our goodness, of our self-control, of our knowledge and our perseverance, and it shifts it to giving God the glory, to giving Him the respect and the reverence. It moves us, it moves our right living from being self-sustaining 
to being God dependent. Without godliness, it's about us. But godliness puts Christ back to center stage. Ask yourself this, what area in my life am I being self-sufficient? And do I actually need to shift to God dependency and in doing so, grow in my godliness? What area do you need to grow in godliness? Number six, number six, I'm chasing the clock now, but I'm gonna get through them. To godliness, Peter says, add mutual affection. Mutual affection, it's uh, that brotherly love. It's that Christ love, one sister or brother to another. And I think God knew what Peter knew, and that is that so often our human nature leads to pride, it leads to selfishness, it leads to arrogance. And see, when we live out our good deeds, when we live out our knowledge, our perseverance, and even godliness, when we live that in isolation, without community, we actually begin to live an unbalanced life. And we will begin to lean toward those tendencies of pridefulness, selfishness, and arrogance, because balance comes in the body. The body of Christ is where we as believers become balanced in that brotherly love. It brings balance where we would otherwise lack. See, it's in the body that we learn to live in the context of community. It's in the body that we learn things like forgiveness. It's in the body that we learn how to say, I'm sorry, I got that wrong. It's in the body that we learn humility. It's in the body that we learn grace, what grace is and what grace and mercy look like. It's in the body that we learn that if something is affecting someone else, then actually it's gonna affect me. It's in the body that we learn these things in the context of community. See, without community, we can have knowledge, but we could be super arrogant about it. And, and, and without community, we could have self-control, but no patience for other people who are grow, still growing and still on the journey. We might have perseverance, but steamroll everyone else to get where we wanna go, which is a really good segue into small groups. You see what I've done there? Community. We need community, don't we? And down in the back of uh, both the uh, cafe, I think it's actually in the front of the cafe and, and in the back of the auditorium here and online, you can sign up for a small group today. You can begin living your godliness, your goodness, your knowledge, your self-control, all within the context of community and grow in that mutual affection. I wanna encourage you today, if you're not signed up for a small group, don't leave today without getting yourself into a community of believers who will help you grow in this area of your life. Final thing, Ban can come and join me now. He says to mutual affection, we need to add love. Add love. Love is the motive. Love is the motive. Love underpins everything. If you do all of those things but don't have love, the Bible says we're just like a, a clanging gong. I don't wanna be a clanging gong. Love is what should define every single one of those things that came before. Because if we have love as our motive, then, then 
we're going to look beyond our wants and needs to the needs of others and grow in mutual affection. If our love is our motive, then we can draw near to God, allowing Him to transform us from the inside out. If love is our motive, then we are going to persevere. We're not going to quit on others or ourselves or on God. If love is our motive, then self-control is actually important because self-control means that it's not just about all my wants, but I'm looking to the needs of others too. If love is our motive, then I'm committed to grow in knowledge and in wisdom because it makes me a better leader, a better wife, a better, a better partner, a better friend, a better mother. If love is our motive, then goodness becomes more than just what's morally good. Goodness becomes about blessing other people. Goodness is not about me. It's about how other people might be blessed. Goodness teaches me that if it matters to them, then it matters to me because they matter to God. Let love be your motive. Let's refresh what's important. Let's refresh what's important. I've written in the notes there this statement to help us remember, in my faith, I do good things and I know why. I live what I know and I persevere in the truth. I am sustained by God and transformed into His image. I live my faith in community and in all things, I am motivated by love. Amen. Listen, as I studied for this um, message, I studied that passage, that last word love. That last word love here in this passage is the same root word as the word love that we find in John 15 verse 13. No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for a friend. And I wanna tell you today, whether you're in the auditorium, the cafe, or you're watching online, that there is someone that, whose love was so great that He laid down His life for you. And I wanna say to you that God loves you and He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And He wants nothing more than to be in relationship with you. Wherever you're watching from today, you have to know that He desires so much to be in relationship with you, to live your life alongside you. But the truth is that we all mess up. We all get it wrong. The Bible calls that sin. And that sin, it separates us from God, from the holy God, it separates us. But God didn't want us to have that separation. And so He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and live a sinless life on earth and die a sinner's death, that you and I might have our debt paid for our sin, the debt that we would do. He paid it all on the cross so that we could be free, so that we could live free now and free in eternity with Him. And I'm gonna pray a prayer. I'm gonna ask every single person, whether you're in the audio or the cafe, would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Even if you're at home watching with a watch party, just close your eyes and bow your heads. Just eliminates any distraction, allows you to focus on you and God right now because He's speaking to you. Can I tell you, for some of you, today's your day. This is your moment. He's speaking to you right now. I'm gonna pray a prayer and I'm gonna invite you to pray it with me. Are you ready? We say, dear Jesus, Thank You that You went to the cross for me. Thank You that You paid the debt that I was due. Thank You that You have forgiven me today. I choose this day to give my life to You. Would You come into my life? Would You make me brand new today? In Jesus' Name, with every head bowed and every eye closed wherever You are, can I just say that that is the best decision that You could ever make? 
You know, I would love to acknowledge every single person who prayed that prayer. All I want you to do, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna stand you up. I'm not gonna call you out. But I'd love, I'm gonna count to three and I'd love for you just to lift your hand in just a moment. You could just lift your hand. I'll see it. I'll pop it straight back down. If you're watching online, I want you to hit that button that says, I prayed that prayer. I raised my hand. Hit that button. Don't be shy. You ready? One, two, be brave. Three, lift your hands all across the room. Awesome. Online, I see you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. In the cafe, you can raise your hands too. Anybody saying yes, Bex, count me in. Awesome. Anybody else? You're saying, Bex, would you count me in today? Awesome, another one online, we see you. Anybody else, you're saying, Bex, don't miss me. Prayed that prayer, awesome, yes, thank you. Three online, we see you, I see you. Father God, I thank you for every single person who raised their hand and if they're still raising them now, we lift them up to you, God. I thank you for the plans and the purposes that you have for their life. I thank you, Lord God, that you have chosen them, that you have called them by name and right now with all of heaven, we celebrate, we celebrate that they have come home. Come on, church, would you give God some praise and celebrate with me? Awesome. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Centre podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz.